Welcome to Kratom Sobriety, Episode 12. This week we have an interview with Krista, who got caught up in the Kratom bar scene in Florida, despite significant experience and expertise working as a professional addictions counselor. Last week, I mentioned drinking one Kratom tea is not addictive. But if you're drinking a half dozen a day, day after day, it can be a problem, as Krista's story shows. The bigger issue is many Americans are consuming much more potent extract products. Someone I follow on Twitter, at adhome01, either manages or owns a Kratom shop, but he's often critical of the industry. He wrote this week, quote, fact. Thousands of people are turning to Suboxone to get off Kratom extract addictions. MIT-45 Super K Extra is 1,200 milligrams of extract, equivalent of three quarters of a pound of the tea in one shot. In reference to OPMS shots, he says, clerks call these perk 30s. OPMS made close to a billion dollars last year. Extracts are poison. No one will call them out because they're afraid of big Kratom, just like they were of big pharma. They're getting rich off the back of addicts. On top of the risk of addiction, there are health and life risks with Kratom use too. Just because it appears to be safer than other intoxicants, that doesn't make or mean Kratom is safe or a good idea to consume daily or in large amounts. Take this new article fresh off the press. Increased risk of Kratom drug intoxication is associated with opiate use. Retrospective analysis. This was posted on July 3rd, 2023 in the Social Science Research Network, SSRN. Article is also going through a final peer review process, too. This was a pre-publication preview of the article. The scientific study showed in Florida alone during 2020 and 2021, 550 people had Kratom-related deaths based on autopsy results. While most involved polysubstance abuse drug intoxication with Kratom as the specific cause of death, there were 21 cases of Kratom-use-only deaths as well. 550 deaths or even 21 deaths from one state is much higher than the zero deaths claim that many Kratom advocates falsely assert. This week we'll end the opening segment with an email from a listener. D from the West Coast says, Hey there, I love your podcast. Really helps me multiple times a day. I'm at day five now, but had 10 months last year and got back to racing, winning my age group in a couple of races. Things were great, but then I decided to just have a couple of grands and then bam, one and a half years went by. I am 45, currently living near the Pacific Ocean. I'd love to come on the show when I have 30 days. Good luck in that quit, D. We are rooting for you. We'd love to have you on the pod, my friend. Keep killing it in those races. And on a personal note, I sort of had a rough week this last seven days. I had the most urges to take Kratom, and I sort of know the context for it, but it's still alarming. I know sometimes on the podcast here, I make it look easy. I sort of cheated and I created this podcast, which helped burn some ships and boxed me in as someone who doesn't take Kratom. And I know from talking in the community, even those engaged in service activities 
can relapse. Soon we'll be interviewing somebody who is a moderator on a social media platform of a quitting Kratom forum. There's some pitfalls with using a service work like this as your only means of recovery. And I'm not doing that, but I need to do some tune-ups here if I want to stay, you know, happy, joyous, and free, as they say. No worries right now. Your humble host is staying off the Kratom. I'll give you an update in coming weeks. Hi, today we're joined by Krista. Why don't you introduce yourself, uh, Krista, to our audience? I live in Melbourne, Florida. That's uh, like the Space Coast area of the East Coast of Florida. I Let's see, I'm a mental health counselor. That's what I do for work. I am, let's see, South Carolina Gamecock, Go Cox. Um, that's my <laughs> football team. I'm an avid college football fan. Interested in all things recovery, addiction, mental health. I'm an addiction specialist. It's kind of my deal. That's what I do. And what was your first exposure to Kratom and how did it go? My first exposure to Kratom, actually, I discovered a kava bar first. Like I was driving down the road. I saw this sign for, you know, such and such kava bar. And I never heard of what that, I I didn't know what any of that was. Went home and kind of looked up kava to see what that was i found out that there was another kava bar open in the town where i live so i went there at like the end of 2018 and um i didn't i i used kava for about six months before i used any kratom but my first experience with kratom i guess to answer your question I was in the kava bar i'd been kind of asking about it you know you hear people talk about it all the time people are drinking it Kava bar scene is a lot of beverages related to kava and kratom. And I tried a green tea. It was hot. I wasn't even expecting that. It had no sweetener or anything in it. I thought it was disgusting. I don't really remember what I felt that day. Um, It wasn't really memorable. I just got the one tea. My first memorable experience with kratom was a little bit later. Um, There were these drinks kind of like the concept of the nitro cold brew at starbucks okay Um, there were nitro kratom drinks and it looks like kind of like a beer and they served it like in pint glasses and they had red white and green and i sat at the bar one night and i drank like four reds just kind of talking and socializing and that night i felt it for the first time like I don't know. I couldn't keep my eyes open. I felt like I'd taken pain meds. I was relaxed. I mean, you know, it was, it was great. I felt something. I I liked what I felt. Do you have like a honeymoon phase with Kratom where it seemed all good? Um, yeah, I would say so. I mean, it, you know, it, it, there was like a little bit of time. I, I just, I mean, I struggle with other, you know, I'm an addict, so I'll just be honest. So, you know, I kind of felt, the Kratom, it felt good. And I wanted more of it. I didn't escalate completely fast, but 
I was definitely seeking it out. I mean, but I was only at the Kava bar. I hadn't graduated to like powder. I hadn't tried extracts yet. I was just drinking like teas or I preferred the nitros because they were stronger. Okay. Yeah. Why don't you talk a little bit about your addictions with other substances? Well, I, let's see, that kind of goes back. I mean, I, I first picked up alcohol when I was 12 years old. Um, I had a full-blown blackout. I was a kid that struggled with depression. Um, mm-hmm. So I never really drank moderately. I was kind of like, you know, drinking, smoking weed, eating acid to check out, you know, to kind of cope with whatever was going on. I mean, it's it's been a pretty rough road. You know, I've been addicted to most of the drugs out there. My drug of choice are stimulants. It's interesting because you know, opioids are probably the one thing that I've been able to take or leave through the years. I, I, I had a problem with them when I was like 19 or 20, but it was weird. I kind of developed an allergy and I started getting really sick and I couldn't really use them much. So Kratom didn't really have that of impact on me. And I thought I would be safe using Kratom. Because when I first started using Kratom, I was in recovery. So I, I thought I would be okay. You know, I didn't really care for opiates that much. And So when you say you were in recovery, I, you were you had some clean time from some other drugs and you were like working some other kind of program? I had about four months and that's when my use with Kratom started. So I was actively working a program in AA. I was in recovery. I was about four months sober and I was still going to the Kava bar. Once I went to Kratom, I never really went back to Kava again. So when did, how did Kratom evolve into being, coming a problem? Well, like I, I ended up getting, there was a guy at the Kava bar that kind of got into a thing with the owner and I ended up getting hooked up with him and he sold powder. So I started buying powder that was to replace going to the Kava bar, but I found I was still going to the Kava bar and I had powder at home. You know, at that point in the Kava bar, they're called bullets, but they're like the little extracts, the little, you know, bottle shots of extract. I, I mean, it, it got so out of control, Charlie. I, you know, was the, the bar opened up at 10 a.m. I was there at 10 a.m. There was another Kava bar in town that opened up and it opened at 8 a.m. Sometimes I was at that bar. I had a 48 ounce thermos that I used to take powder and I would mix lemonade and I would take that to work with me, drink that, you know, while I was working. And then I would go to the bar. It was about three minutes away from where I worked at lunch. If I had a cancellation, I would go. I went after work. The point I was using extracts and at night I would kind of get restless legs and like mm-hmm. it was almost like I was going into withdrawal at night even though I might have had a tea like four hours earlier and so I was driving up to the bar to get like an extract at midnight just to be able to sleep so it got out of control like pretty and I mean I'm spending at this point like 60 uh, 80 100 you know dollars a day I mean it was it was pretty crazy Looking back, kind of talking about it, I'm like, holy crap. Yeah. It, it, looking back, it feels insane that period. Do you have any um, health issues or other life consequences with the Kratom use? No. I, I mean, I, I, I've i got no health issues. You know, I, I consider myself pretty fortunate. I mean, you know, quitting. Um, I quit last year. My sobriety date is August 21st 
of last year, I went to a treatment center. Um, some things had gone down and I felt like I needed to go to a treatment center. You know, I, I did that. And I, I, I mean, consequences, I didn't lose my job. I didn't have the same consequences that I had with drugs and alcohol. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was way out of control. I was spending too much money. I was spending all my time in the kava bar. Every addictive behavior was present. But that was kind of the thing that I think kept me going for four years was I wasn't getting DUIs and I wasn't getting arrested and I wasn't losing my job. And, you know, probably the biggest hit was financially. I think I had a similar experience. I mean, and then it, I think it's part of the justification. You know, it's legal. I'm not getting arrested. I'm not losing my job. It's kind of like a functional drug. You know, the money really got out of hand and I psychologically and mentally had a collapse sort of. We don't have a Kratom Kava bar scene here where I live. How do you think such venues contribute to like Kratom addiction? Well, I mean, you know, like you walk into the Kava bar, right? And you're either offered a first timer, which is a strong Kava drink, or you're offered a red nitro. So from the very get-go, they're going with a nitro. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Probably the best tasting drink in the bar. It has like a mango flavoring added to it. And it, you know, it tastes good. I, I know for me, like I'm an alcoholic, right? So I like yep. to drink in bars. I spent a lot of time in bars. I was always out drinking, dive bars, you know, and I feel like the whole atmosphere of that kava bar just kind of draws you in. It's like, talk about being able to justify your use too, because there's so many people there that are doing exactly what you're doing, right? So it's like, it's kind of turns into a little community type thing where everybody's drinking Kratom, everybody's drinking kava, there's toast throughout the day. I mean, some people are doing more than I was doing. So, hey, I'm not that bad, right? We had catered holidays. I mean, anniversary parties, New Year's there, Halloween there. I mean, it's seductive. It really is. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like a bar. I mean, it was in a part of town, downtown Melbourne, that is like all bars and shops and then the Kava Bar. I mean, there's really no difference between a Kava Bar and any other kind of bar. And I think we're both on the same page. I mean, in general, Kratom is safer than Absolutely safer than alcohol but it doesn't mean that it's not a, an addiction itself and that it's good for you to <laughs> engage in all of our same addictive behaviors but just doing it transferring it to kratom yeah i mean there were you know people at the bar that never abused kratom i mean i had a friend there who drank like maybe one tea he came in a few times a week you know but i was working in addiction at that time as a dui evaluator and one of the things on my evaluations was identifying addictive behaviors. So I was always very interested in talking to people at the bar to find out where they were at. And, you know, like everybody was like loss of control, tolerance, thinking about it too much, preoccupation, spending too much money. All of that stuff was going on. It's, it's hard for me not to believe that Kratom is not problematic for someone that's prone to addiction. Because like when I drank it, I felt it, I felt good. When I feel something and I feel good, I want more. And then I'm going to use it until something happens that makes me pretty much have to stop. Get it, it's a good alternative or it's an alternative, you know. I feel like it can be problematic for people. So when you quit almost a year ago, last August, was there kind of a final straw that made your decision clear that you needed to do this? 
That's a good question. Like I, I quit on July 22nd. I was in a, a kind of rough relationship at that time. I ended that on the 29th of July. I kind of spiraled for about three weeks. I stayed off of Kratom for about a month. And then I ended up three days before going into that treatment center using Kratom again. I think I was just like, it, it was crazy. I couldn't go anywhere without figuring out what I was going to have, how I was going to have it. I mean, it was, it was turning, it had turned into like a job at that point, you know, <laughs> it was like, like anything you're not, I don't even think I was enjoying myself anymore. I mean, my tolerance had grown so much that, you know, it was kind of like maintenance more than it was anything else. So I just feel like I got to a point where I was like, I don't know, I kind of had a dynamic going that I, I felt like I, I couldn't really face my life at the time. So I kept using Kratom to numb out. And because I kept using Kratom to numb out, I couldn't get out of my situation because I was spending all my money. So I finally made a decision to choose to do something. Like I said, three weeks, I had a rough time. It was... So at the treatment center, how how did that that was like a 30 day treatment program and yeah this was an amazing treatment center now it was actually it was funny because i was going to recommend it to a client of mine which is i mean mm-hmm. really kind of interesting um because it was a trauma focused treatment center and substance abuse and um it was called the refuge and it was in the middle of this national forest in the state of florida it wasn't like institutionalized it wasn't indoor it was a very cool thing. And I was there for 30 days and did a lot of work on, you know, cause like, I feel like with addiction, it's like, you know, the alcohol, the Kratom, the drugs, it's all like at the top, it's like surface stuff, right? I'm using it to cope with a deeper issue. So I feel like when I went to this treatment center, I was able to get to the deeper issues that were going on. Hence, I've been able to put some time together again. And did they use any medications and No, that's what's funny. I mean, and that, you know, that's kind of one thing that's lacking out there. I mean, there's no detox protocol for Kratom, right? I mean, I Mm -hmm. I worked on a detox and rehab unit for four years and our, our detox unit in Melbourne, if I went and tried to get admitted for Kratom use, they're not going to admit me. This place, they kept me in detox overnight and then I went to the next level. So they didn't give me anything. I mean, I was doing okay because like, I had only used three days since July 22nd, I, I, you know, but yeah, no detox protocol for Kratom though, that I know of. I mean, I don't know if treatment centers are doing that yet. I, I, that'd be something interesting to look into. Yeah. I've heard of some people going into short-term three-day detoxes and giving different comfort meds and, and there's medicated assistant treatment, yeah. but, yeah. but there isn't, you're, you're right. There isn't a universal protocol and then there's a big controversy whether or not prescribing a mat drug is too strong of a treatment for for kratom how did the three weeks when you were at home when when you were getting off kratom the first time how how was the withdrawals on your own during that period i was an emotional wreck i really was i was very i mean i'm somebody who will cry and i was crying a lot i was kind of lost. I didn't really know what to do with my time. I was like itchy all the time. What drove me crazy about Kratom withdrawal, this is what I couldn't handle. I could handle just about anything. 
but the restless legs and that nerve feeling when I felt like my nerves were tingling, like in my arms mm-hmm. or my legs, or I felt like it was on fire. Like I couldn't handle that. Dealing with that was, I mean, pretty difficult. I, I think that was probably the worst. And how was reentry back into your day-to-day life after the rehab experience? It was good. You know, I came out of rehab like a different person. It really changed my life. It was an amazing treatment center. I mean, I'm a person who's done AA. I've been, I was introduced to AA in 2008. I was court ordered there, you know, so for 15 years, I've kind of been in and out, in and out. I jumped back in the program and, you know, we can talk about that in a minute because there's so many limitations about support for Kratom. 12-step programs but yeah you know i i mean you could say i was on a pink cloud right i mean i was coming out of a treatment center i was feeling great i hadn't used kratom almost two months at that time i was feeling on top of the world during this whole period were you able to maintain abstinence from alcohol yeah it's been a while since i've drank alcohol and um, so I guess you just sort of hinted to that what supports have you put in place what kind of recovery program are you working today to um, stay off the kratom and other stuff today uh, until i came across you i didn't really know of all the support for kratom so i'm kind of incorporating that into my recovery program now but i mean i'm all in 12 step that's what i do brevard county is amazing i i do aa na is not as strong here but the county i live in there are over 300 meetings here a week they're like AA clubs. They have like a young people's group. I mean, they're doing volleyball, softball, picnics, parties. Fellowship is strong. There's a lot of limitations. I mean, that's that's what I do. I mean, I work the program. Like everything you're supposed to do to work a 12-step program, that's what I'm doing. Do you have a sponsor? Yeah, I have a sponsor. I worked the 12 steps you know it's funny my my experience with aa i'm trying this time not to overthink it and not to question it and not to think i'm too smart you know like smarter than the program is because i have battled this program for years charlie i don't know i'm trying to finally get to that point where i'm like okay this can be spiritual right this is this is not cultish. This is not a religious thing. You know, I can I can ha- have my own thoughts. I you know can be a free thinker, but I can still do this type of program. So yeah, I mean, over the years, I've struggled a lot with the twelve steps. I kind of lean agnostic at times, so that the God thing can barrier. And I've had a couple, like in the men's program, like some men's groups. Sometimes they up in my area they sometimes they get a little too tough lovey like they think they're in the military or something and it's more about their power and control and their status and their their ego it happens in workplaces it happens at churches it happens potluck groups you know so microcosm of anything any group of people you know yeah i know what you're talking about i mean there are people that have 30, 40 years of recovery. And I mean, when they came in, it was totally different, you know? I mean, it was straight up alcohol. Everything was, I mean, now most people are co-occurring. Mental health is going on. You've got alcohol and drugs together. You've got all these other kinds of substances that are going on that, you know, I feel like should be talked in the rooms more than anywhere because that's where those people, the people that are prone the most are probably know about more, but I, I get it. You know, Alcoholics Anonymous is Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, and 
it's strictly we we talked a little bit pre the interview about some of the limits of being able to talk about kratom in the rooms do you have any thoughts about that i'm putting you kind of on the spot here i know that's okay this is how it like i've got a really good home group i've had to shop around like i said i've been you know my first meeting in brevard county was in 2008 so i've like really shopped around and my home group knows my deal they know my story when I chair meetings, when I do anything speaking wise, I always include it. At my home group, nobody says anything to me. You know, if I was in a group with the ones you're talking about, like the old timers that are tough love that are, you know, it's got to be this way. It's got to be, you know, they're probably going to shut me down. And like I was just saying, I feel like the people who are most susceptible to something like Kratom are sitting in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous. And most of those people at, well, I mean, heck Charlie, when I bring it up, most everybody doesn't even know what it is, you know, that way too. I'm like, how, how do you not know what it is? It's everywhere. I mean, Florida's like the capital of the United States for Kava and Kratom. But I have yet to find anybody in AA. I haven't been announcing that meetings, but, when I get somebody in a corner or in a parking lot, you know, I'll just say, have you ever heard of Kratom? <laughs> Not one. I finally met a couple people in my personal life. No, remember seeing like at least signs in town. Everybody knows about booze. I think I saw a statistic like between two to five million people use Kratom. Like, exactly. And, and then like 50 million people use cannabis, but everybody knows about marijuana. So it is, it's just, it's a, a small fraction of the American society. It's getting the club I go to though. I will say that the club I go to is probably more open to it than anywhere else I've been, you know, because there are people who have mentioned it in meetings, you know, and it is starting to come up. I mean, there's a the Alano club. Yeah. At the circle club at, um, where I go. Yeah. Okay. To come up a little bit more. So that's good. While you were using Kratom and you were working with people around addiction, did you have conflicts in your mind? Oh, absolutely. It was, I mean, that was one of the hardest things, you know, like throughout the years of what I've been doing. I mean, it's been, I, I mean, you're working with clients and you want them to accept responsibility, right? Or be accountable or make changes or do, you know, self-care, coping skills, all the things that I wasn't doing kind of does a number on you, the incongruence that was going on within me. I kind of got to a point with things where I was like, you either need to leave this field or you've got to get your stuff together. Like one or the other has got to give. I mean, I'm not saying... I was under the influence of Kratom seeing clients. So whatever you, you know, take that for whatever it's worth. I was functioning, you know, I still feel like, you know, I've got clients in there in some of their most transparent, possibly painful moments. And, you know, I can just tell the difference now, a year later, about how much more effective I am. I can, I can Does see that, that in my day job. Question? I mean, like, yes, yes. Yeah. So why don't you tell us more about your, your qualifications, your expertise and what you do in your day job? Well, I'm okay. So I'm a licensed mental health counselor and I'm a certified addiction professional. And I just took an exam on Monday to become an international drug and counselor, drug and alcohol counselor. Um, cause I'm trying to get another certification to do a certain evaluation at work. 
all that being said, um, I work at a private practice right now. Um, I just celebrated a two-year work anniversary. Um, we deal primarily mental health, alcohol, drugs always seeps in. You know, I feel like addiction and trauma go hand in hand. I feel like addiction and self-medication for mental health issues go hand in hand. They know at work, if there's anything addiction related, I, I really want the referral. But it's good. It's, um, you know, it's the type of place I've worked a lot of agencies. This is the first place I've worked private practice. The people generally want to be there, you know, insurance, private pay, that kind of thing. Past experience, though, like what got me to be able to do this. Um, I worked as a DUI evaluator for a couple of years. I worked with people on parole and probation under contracts with the Department of Corrections. I worked on a detox and rehab unit for four years. I worked at a behavioral health hospital where people come in who are a danger to themselves or others and are involuntarily held. I did that for six years. So I feel like I kind of paid my dues in the agency community work to get to the type of job I have now. I've got a bachelor's degree in psychology from the University of South Carolina, and I have my master's degree from Troy University. Okay. In psychology. And then outside your job, how is your life going today after you quit Kratom and you're sober from everything else? Amazing. Things are really, I mean, it's, it's almost hard to believe, you know, it's funny because I drive by the Kava bar every day on my way home, like to get over the bridge to where I live. Um, I drive right by it. And it was funny, Monday I was driving by it. And sometimes it kind of, you know, I I don't know if it necessarily triggers me, but I definitely look at it. I think about it. It takes me back. I mean, it's like a whole moment I have every day, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was driving by it on Monday after I found out I passed that exam and I was looking at it and I was just like, as I drove by and I was thinking to myself, you know, like if I had not stopped going there, if I had not given up Kratom. I wouldn't have done what I did today, you know, like I wouldn't be where I'm at. I feel better physically, mentally. I don't procrastinate like I used to. My anxiety level is better. My mood is better. You know, I felt like with Kratom, sometimes I would have like mood swings depending on like where I was at. You know, Mm -hmm. I feel more stable. I feel more effective in my job. I can't explain what a difference. I mean, I just, I really feel like on top of my game again, you know, like I feel like I take care of things when they're supposed to be taken care of. I'm not to figure out where and how I'm getting my next, whatever, you know, anymore. That's all gone. Yeah. It's nice. It feels like you get a big raise, even though you have the same job. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What is your best advice for someone getting ready to quit Kratom? Like my number one thing, whenever I feel like you quit something, there's a void from whatever it was. So I feel like it's really important to replace it with something else, whether that be like working out, a 12-step program, whether it be counseling, whether it be a hobby, whether it be, I don't know, whatever it is for you, you know, but I feel like whenever we quit something, we kind of need to replace it with something else that, you know, hopefully is healthier than what we quit in the first place for. I think getting support is important. 
in the last few weeks, just coming across you, Charlie. I mean, this podcast, the Zoom meetings out there, you know, there's outside help, online forums. I think talking about it is essential. Talking about it, talking about it some more. I think writing, journaling, writing a letter, goodbye letter. I heard that on one of the podcasts. One of the females said that was a great recommendation. Writing a letter of why I quit, writing a letter of how, why am I grateful. I'm trying to think of what else, like staying in the day as much as possible. You know, I think that's important. Like, I think people like we need to stay in the present moment as much as we can. And I, I'm a firm believer that whatever it is, stay in the action. It's not good to sit and ruminate and just think about things. And whenever I'm doing something towards sobriety, I seem to feel better. Great. I mean, I some good. Go on and on, but <laughs> yeah, a lot of things for this is kind of what I do. So what's your go-to music when you're in a rough spot? Well, these days I pretty much listen to like a genre of like chill music or light jazz, something like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, I come from a background of grunge and metal and hard rock and my favorites are Alice in Chains and Typo Negative, but it uh, triggers me. So these days it's pretty much chill, sometimes deep cuts from the nineties or eighties. I'm an eighties girl. So, you know. Sometimes that's a good laugh during a hard day. Yeah. A couple more questions. Is there anything else you'd like to add? No, I mean, I just, I, I don't know. I just, I, I can't say how much I, I think it is important to like, you know, be willing to ask for help and talk about this. You know, I think that's the thing. We need to be talking about this, finding out more information, getting more education, you know, getting getting this out in the open, you know, I, there's multiple sides of this issue. It's very controversial. I, I just think it's good. People are talking about it. Yeah. I think both of us have the same viewpoint. We're, we're not for prohibition, but we both no, think no. that Kratom addiction is a real thing and people have struggled with it and it's hard, it's hard to quit and the withdrawals can be hard for many people and there should be more support help people get off Kratom if that's the choice that they want to make. Right. Absolutely. Well, on that note, we have a little bit of breaking news here. Um, Krista <laughs> is going to be joining the Kratom Sobriety Podcast as a co-host. I'm excited to have an additional perspective and a new voice to share with the audience. A little bit less mumbling from me and more of uh, Krista's Southern draw um, <laughs> to, to spice things up. Krista, what do you think about this? <laughs> Well, I am extremely excited. Um, I'm just so glad I came across you and this podcast and I'm getting more information about support out there. I mean, when I quit a year ago, there was, I mean, literally I went into Alcoholics Anonymous and I felt like, hey, I, I can't, that's not part of this program, you know, so I can't really talk about what's really you know what I'm thinking about. And I get it. Everything is the same. A drug is a drug is a drug, but still it's nice to be able to talk about and relate to people that are going through the same thing. I mean, that's the whole purpose of a 12 step support group, but um, I'm passionate about, you know, the Kratom support that's developing. I'm just, uh, you know, I feel like if we can help a few people, Kit Kratom and stay quit and, and, you know, open, open some eyes, open some minds. It's all worthwhile. So I hope I can help do that. I'm sure you will. And 
it'll be nice to have somebody who knows a little bit more about what they're talking about here. And with your professional experience, and you're almost at a year clean from Kratom. Yeah, I felt the same thing with AA. I mean, I, I hadn't drank in years, and I was like, it was what I knew. It's so ubiquitous, and it's the most accessible program. But it, mm-hmm. it, it, I was going to AA meetings. I was actually leading AA meetings, and then I was still like taking Kratom, you know. <laughs> it, yeah. it was a little bit like your experience. It, I felt a little bit fraudulent. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Krista, and I'll, we'll be talking again soon. All right. Thank you so much. Okay. Take care. You too. Kratom in the News. This was published in the Idaho Mountain Express entitled How Kratom, a Legal Herbal Opioid, Tore One Local Family Apart. Widely available supplement is growing in popularity despite addiction risk by Damaris Calhoun, published on July 5th, 2023. Quote, purchased legally from gas stations, Bruce Nesmet says his addiction to Kratom strained and ultimately ended his marriage. He wasn't a heroin user in search of a safer fix. Nesbitt was an alcoholic, a self-described addict in search of a way to cope. But to hear him tell what happened, he first brought Kratom on a whim without fully understanding the risks while commuting to work. Compared to alcohol and marijuana, Kratom seemed benign. It was legal. It was botanical. With few regulations in Idaho, Kratom was easier to buy than a can of beer or a nip of vodka. And more and more people I talk to, naive, walking to a 7-Eleven and buying a free fuel or a gas station with an extract shot right next to the five-hour energies, that often is the first consumption introduction to Kratom. Is It's not an unusual story. Getting back to the article, quote, Nesmit didn't know getting addicted to Viva Zen was even a possibility. He hadn't read the Midred post on Reddit by people who were struggling to quit and failing. He, he wasn't aware he was buying an herbal opiate. Nothing on the label said, at least not explicitly, that the drink contains a psychoactive and potentially habit-forming drug. Nesmet had no idea that Kratom, in the form of a drink he bought at a gas station, would blow up his finances, his marriage, his life. Within a month, Nesmet was buying Kratom multiple times a day, always drinking two bottles at a time, always the Viva Zen brand. Two bottles a day quickly mushroomed into six, and soon it was eight or more. At roughly nine fifty a bottle, Nesbitt's habit was more than just costly. It was potentially ruinous. A $100 a day addiction that few Americans, and certainly not a middle-class family, can afford. And according to some treatment professionals, that's one of the biggest risks, that Kratom can lead former users back to heroin or other substances, which are cheaper and stronger and deadly in some cases. While legal, Kratom addicts are getting into trouble for trying to pay for a habit that's well beyond their means. In short, financial crimes. Blaine County Prosecuting Attorney Matt Fredback has encountered a lot of such cases. It's something I see frequently, theft crimes that are related to supporting the Kratom addiction, he said. I've had several of them, and even one recently was in an embezzlement case When we looked at the evidence, we could see that the money was being spent at local gas stations supporting a $100 a day habit. That case involved a 29-year-old Ketchum woman who pleaded guilty to felony grand theft after stealing more than $6,000 from a local retailer to buy Kratom. 
there's a lot more details on the article and I'll, we'll post a link. It's, it's a free read in the show notes. To conclude, I will personally donate a hundred dollars to the American Kratom Association. If anyone can show me proof that any American has ever stole $6,000 for the cheese, nutmeg, or chamomile addiction or dependency or habit. And these are all food items compared to the drug Kratom by the American Kratom Association. $100 reward for proof of a cheese or nutmeg habit. Send it my way and I'll donate $100 to the American Kratom Association. Resource of the week. There's a quick Kratom app in Google Play. I don't see the same one in the Apple Store. With this app, you enter your quit date, the amount of each dose you took, the number of doses per day, and the cost per dose into the app, and then it does a bunch of calculations and tracking for you. So I am at three months, 24 days clean. I've avoided 696 doses if I kept up at the six OPMS shots per day at my worst pace, that equals or or is equivalent to a saving of 13,920 based on that last hurrah madness. So the app itself, first off, the free version is unusable with the ads. It's just too clunky. So I think you have to pay the $7.99 for the pro version if you want to use the app. Here's the description. Kratom Addiction. Kratom is more often than not described by vendors and its users as a risk-free drug, which you can use as you please without any side effects. This belief is very dangerous because it's simply not true. Kratom addiction is very real. You are not alone. It is never too late to quit, and it is absolutely worth it. So a couple reviews, one good and one negative about the app. The positive one, quitting Kratom cold turkey day seven here. I've used this app for more than five days consistently now. And what I like about it are the estimates of milestones. I've had a rough time, but looking and seeing that in a couple more days or in so many hours, the RLS will likely be gone, for example, has been of a big help in me staying focused. Very grateful for the app and its developer. Then a negative, more negative review. Gamified cold turkey app would be more useful with a tapering program. Probably be worth paying for at that point. Overall thoughts has potential and the idea is appreciated, but pretty bare bones. I'd say it's useless for most people. Gamify a customizable tapering program. This app will 100% blow up all over the internet could also use a suggested supplement section too. So if you're stuck and you use your phone a lot, I think this app might be for you. There's a lot of like free day counters. A day counting app has never kept me clean of any substance, but it's an option. It's a resource and you could test it out with the ads for free for a couple days. And then you like it and then pay the seven ninety nine and Go ad-free after that. That would be my recommendation. Close this week. 
I am still looking for future interviewees. If you'd like to be on the show and tell your story about quitting Kratom, I'd love to have you on. And in future weeks, we'll start introducing Krista to the show, starting with episode 13. Please be in touch with me at kratomsobriety at gmail.com. That is the best way to contact me. We're also on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Kratom Sobriety at all those places. And in the show notes, there's a phone number if you want to leave a voicemail. We'd love to play it on the air. Until next week, keep it Kratom free.